Good day, Rumblers. This is part B of a two-part episode about Bioshock Infinite, one-third of the historic Bioshock franchise. If you haven't heard part A, make sure you hear that first before starting this episode. Enjoy the show. B of our Bioshock Infinite impromptu mega episode, I suppose. I suppose it's uh we 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 love B sides. We're bringing the B sides back, love baby. Love a B side. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Because there's a lot of good secrets you can hide on a B side. A lot of reverse tracks if you play them backwards. It sounds like the devil. <laughs> yeah, you you want some uh, subliminal messaging? Yeah. Um, Put it on, put it on your B side. Oh yeah, yeah. Because only the true loyal loyalists go listen to the B side. Yeah. yeah. So we finished off last week, uh, or last time, last last hour, last minute. Who knows how close these episodes will be released? Will could be yeah days, years, months. Yeah. How was the last few months for you? Uh, well, they've been rough actually. Yeah. I that's um, good. I died of alcohol poisoning. Oh. But I came back. Lazarus Pit. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I dove into a I dove into a vat of uh, all the pickle juice I've been saving from my pickled onions. Right. But I've been getting chili pickled onions, blue banner chili pickled onions. Everybody, please get some. They're delicious. Yep. Uh, but of course, you know when you dive into a vat of pickle juice, especially with chili in it, you start to find all these cuts you didn't know you had. It really starts stinging. Oh yeah, I've been through that so many times. Yeah. You yeah. think like there's a bit under your toe, maybe. Mm-hmm. There's a bit, you know, the inner thigh. You didn't know, right? Uh, under your armpit, bit of a rash. Okay, so I dove into that. Oh, actually, I was being lowered into that to preserve me for a long time because it was right. going to be put on public display. Oh, okay. Bit like our friend, uh, our friend Lenin, Lenin in Leningrad. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> he's, a, he's a Russian guy. He's been in wax for a hundred years, right? And they our keep, friend they top up his wax all yeah. the time. Yeah, our friend. Yeah, so well, I'll, that's extreme. Extreme few months. Uh, it gets worse. Oh. And they put me in there to preserve me, <laughs> yeah. basically. Uh, but then, so intense was the sting, I jolted back to life. Yeah, right. And here Makes I am. Makes sense. And here I am. Kickstart your heart. Yeah. And yeah. to anyone who's concerned, I've, I have I don't drink much. So uh, don't be worried. Yeah. The alcohol poisoning, I was uh, spiked yeah. by a will. It must have been a bad rum. Yeah. Yeah. You provided it to me. Yeah. It's not well, the first time you've screwed me over. Yeah. I mean, I just spent the last few months just in the shower. I was, I was just in the shower. Yeah, what were you doing? Just, just, I was just in there. Finding all the cuts, I bet. Yeah. Well, you would have cracked skin now from too much showering, so be careful of that pickle juice. Well, yeah, don't touch me. I will perish. <laughs> Perishable goods. Yeah. Perish is a good word. I should have used that. Maybe it's in Barstring Infinite. Maybe it is. <laughs> Which is why we come back here today. Yeah, for part B, the B-side. B-side. Yeah. Uh, and we finished off last week just sort of, uh, well, we, we spent a whole episode talking about uh, the start last of the week. game. It was last week. Oh. We, we do weekly episodes here on the podcast. <laughs> and, um, I mean, look, we'll just, okay, I'm going to say a few things. I'm going to say one week, 
three days, one day. And now you just edit the bit you want me to say <laughs> and we'll, we'll sort it out. Uh, so we finished last week fin- talking about the intro where we met Elizabeth up in the Columbia, the Monument um, Tower, whatever it's called. Yeah. The big statue. The and big then we one. plummeted down into the water. We did. Or did we? Yeah. We yes. Did. But did we reveal that we'd landed in water? Yeah, we did. Okay. And Songbird couldn't Swing. take Booker because of the pressure. That's right. Yeah. 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 Did too. Uh, so cracking the big goggles on on him. Yes. Uh, and I'm not sure how soon it is, but we sort of start really this part of the mid game, or this whole this whole mid game. We sort of start going through the different regions or districts of Colombia, uh, all of which are very uh, testaments to the uh, again this elitist nature of the place, and also uh, how it's still rife with the problems of the surface world that mm. they were trying to escape such as borderline slavery, uh, obviously classist um, setups uh, and all this sort of thing. But one of the, uh, I guess it probably gets progressively worse as we go along um, through through Columbia. Mm. But one of the first places we go to is a place called the Hall of Heroes. Yeah. And it turns out that the bloke who runs the place, who's gone mad, is, uh, and I can't remember his name, which is fantastic. His name is Captain Cornelius Slate. Yes, Cornelius Slate. He used to formerly worked for Comstock with his band of soldiers. Yeah, yeah. And so he's sort of like the uh, the overseer of this uh, this big dedicated area or museum to all of Comstock and Columbia's war efforts. And basically, it paints a pretty. Uh, I guess it's of its time, you know. You know, you don't remember, Will. I uh, know it's it's a long way back, but mm. but back in those days, a war was just like a a fun festivity. Yeah, basically, there's right. a war for every reason. Everyone hated each other. Countries just shot each other. Yeah, I remember. It was just constant. You right? mean Lenin? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly right. Yeah. And basically, uh, this the whole concept of the Hall of Heroes is probably. Probably the the most harrowing part because again we've got Cornelius Slate and he's going mad because he's he's a war veteran. Obviously he's got PTSD and everything. Mm-hmm. And as it turns out, he actually fought or served whatever the U.S. Army at the Battle of Wounded Knee or the massacre of the Wounded Knee massacre as yep. it's called. Mm-hmm. And um, basically this segment of the game. Uh, so uh, yeah, it's it's focusing on. It pays homage to Comstock's being the saviour of this battle, right? But this battle was it resulted in the in three hundred deaths of um, Native American people, mm-hmm. right? and uh, and basically this this area of the game sets this whole theme um, that there's a real pride in conquering the foreign hordes, as he's referred to constantly. Um, Comstock refers to foreign hordes a lot. Um, and it's deliberately, it just sort of sets this city up to be just a really racist place, to be honest. Um, and it, I guess it only really makes sense is to come to learn about Comstock. Um, yeah. Because uh, yeah, cause there's this bit like, you know, there's this other part as well, uh, which isn't spoken about. I don't think it's spoken about the Hall of Heroes. Uh, but there's this, um, I think this backstory that Comstock refers to in all of his you know, pre-recorded messages, that that the city of Columbia 
uh, intervened in the Boxer Rebellion, which is a war in uh, like a spit of a civil war in China. Mm-hmm. And they went over there, flew the city over there away from America when it was when it was it was American territory at the time. But then, without being told or commanded to, or even with the permission of the American government, flew over to China, uh, intervened in this war, uh, fought for one side, destroyed the enemy, whatever. And then they seceded from America to become right. their own sovereign state. Okay. So it basically became this floating war warship. Yeah. And Comstock's whole thing is that like he's so proud of, you know, killing off the uh the enemy chi- the Chinese. Um and also then we talk about the Battle of Wounded Knee, which was before I think before that again. Mm-hmm. He paints himself as the saviour of Wounded Knee. Um, which yeah, again, Booker remembers being at as well. Yeah. Um, but they never saw each other. Mm. Um, and obviously the yeah, Cornelius Slate's been there as well, but it's sort of really, again, like you go into the going through the um, museum. There's all these sort of pop up, um, almost like what are those fold away books called? You know, when you the pop up books. Is that what they're called? Uh when you, yeah, you open up when and you, this when the, the like picture comes out of the book, yeah. Oh, yeah, Something like that. Well, yeah. I can't remember what they're called. Yeah. Um, it's sort of like that, all these sort of just cardboard cutouts uh-huh. of, you know, yeah. like Lakota people coming up and then, you know, soldiers shooting him down and all this sort of stuff and Comstock rising above the rest mm-hmm. to save the day. Yeah. Uh, so this is where it just it starts to become pretty grim and uh, unashamedly and purposefully, like it's not gratuitous, you know, just really racist. Yeah. Basically. And why are we there? We're there because we we need to um, get electric the shock jockey. Yes, <laughs> we need to get shock jockey. Yeah, because Booker and Elizabeth devise a plan to take the first lady's airship uh, and fly it to Paris in an escape attempt from Columbia, mm. uh, large large Zeppelin, and uh, they need to get a vehicle called shock jockey, which gives Booker an electric sort of zapping power. Like Electro Bolt uh, from Bioshock. Uh, and they needed to power the gondola that's heading towards the airship because it's, uh, it's not, not running, I suppose. Uh, once they take the airship, Booker sets course to New York instead of Paris, uh, which is a portrayal in Elizabeth's eyes because she only she wants to go to Paris. They already said they go to Paris. She knocked Booker out and then she flees, flees the scene. Uh, Booker awakens uh, and the ship is being piloted by... Daisy Fitzroy, who's the leader of the Vox Populi, a rebel organization Great song. in Colombia. Great song. Great song by 30 Seconds to Mars. Back in their uh, final heyday. 2009. Was it 2009? Yeah. <laughs> and think of, think of it now. How are they going now? They're going to hell <laughs> is where they're going. <laughs> in my eyes. Yeah. As a time, a time of release, uh, they just released a new song. Yeah. And... Um, Let's just say we'll never speak of it again. No. It came up on my Spotify again the other day and I instantly um, clicked like block or something on the song. I was like, no, nah, oh. get out. <laughs> 30 Seconds to Mars, that concert was of the similar era to the Bioshock era. It was. It was. Uh, let's talk about some of the characters in a little bit more detail before we get into the, I guess, rest of the story. Uh, Booker DeWitt. So, <clears throat> by this point in the game, what are we learning about D- Booker? He's a... Uh, He's a classic. He's a classic little down on his luck detective. Yeah, as I mentioned, he's just going job to job, looking for the money. 
heavy on the drink and he's he's lonely. Yeah. And we're starting to get these ideas that from these little flashbacks into his, just his office mm-hmm. that he's looking for this baby in, in a cot. Yeah. I think we hear crying at the door. He's calling for Anna, uh, yeah. his daughter. Um, and I think it's – you can just sort of catch – you just sort of understand his grief, and uh, we know having with uh, now these with Elizabeth, he's sort of he's sort of starting to get father daughter vibes in, in a similar yeah, way to yeah. Joel and Ellie in Last of Us, and it's worth mentioning. Yeah. It's worth mentioning as well. So this was actually one of the first games where you had that the duopoly, the duopoly. Yeah, uh, well, actually, yes. So <laughs> they in these two games in that year, Last of Us and Bioshock Infinite. Both introduced having a almost a, an automatic sidekick, yeah, who yeah. helped you in battle yeah. through your through your things. Just generally, just helped you out. Mm-hmm. And Elizabeth was one of the first ones to be genuinely helpful as well. She was super handy. Yeah, but yeah. in talking about this duopoly that those two games had over the industry, <laughs> yeah, for that year, there was a, a a one one man who had his fingers firmly in both pies. Mm-hmm. And that was Troy Baker, who voiced the lead talent of both games, yeah, well, Joel and Booker. Yeah. And that's where we first came to recognize uh, Troy Baker. Yeah. And those dulcet tones. He's got a perfect voice. Because before that, we were only treated to Nolan North. Yeah. Every year. And he sounded the same yeah. every game. And Charles Martinet. Charles Martinet as well, yeah. <laughs> Wahooing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, so Troy Baker came into this... Uh, and we just started to, I don't know. This is probably his first real foray into the video, excuse me, video video game industry, and um, he just only went up from there. For sure, it, it was actually yeah. he was the Pedro Pascal of 2013. He was just suddenly in everything good. Mm. Well, yeah, he did uh, pop up out of nowhere, and mm. then he did. He was constantly on the mind of of Luke ever since. Oh yeah, yeah. His performances in uh, Batman: Arkham Origins as Joker. Ooh. Oh yeah, that is good. Mm. Yeah, but the sidekick thing's interesting too. Yeah, the um the helpful sidekick both showing up in that year. I'm sure it was around before, but this this solidified it as a uh, a gameplay component that you could have in a game. They call it the duo duopoly. Yeah, yeah, I I heard that as well. What about Elizabeth? Well, she's a nice young lass. Yeah, uh, I think she's uh, as we said, super naive, innocent. Mm. She asked all the questions that you're probably asking as well throughout yeah. the, as you're playing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, uh, between her and Booker, actually. Booker is the dumb lug that we were while we were playing because what we were 19 year old, 19 year olds. 19. When we played this game, were we? Yeah, 2013. Yeah. Yeah. Dolly. Anyway, so he's asking all the bullfed questions that we, we had. And then she was sort of asking the yeah. more. She was asking the more uh, philosophical questions mm-hmm. that she wanted the answer to. So, so I think together they could answer a lot of each other's questions, but there were also ones that they shared. Uh, and yeah. I just thought she she just added the she, – she just started softening him up a bit in a really good way. Well, yeah, she's definitely a, uh, a calming presence to have, mm. uh, especially in the moments where there's no enemies – and sometimes it could be like, you know, it seems a little bit grim or quiet. It's nice to have her, I guess, her dialogue in the game. Mm. Um, and some of the moments you see her where she's just a pleasant character, you know, like especially 
where you first fall uh fall into those waters what we spoke about at the end of last episode and then when you when she wakes you up and you're sort of walking up the beach she starts dancing with she's uh, you find, sorry you find her dancing with a, mm. a bunch of people and she's she's never been so excited because she's out out in the world mm. um so she's yeah she's naive but also definitely makes the game 10 times more pleasant if than it would be without her yeah because we're just starting to get caught up in the the real grim side of Colombia, yeah. and suddenly she's just seeing the good side of Colombia or any of Colombia for the first time. Yeah, and you're like, oh, you know, we should let her have this moment before we bring the whole damn thing crashing down. Yeah, I guess like anyone in that instance, her uh, her positivity and I guess naiveness sort of goes away as the story goes because it becomes a lot darker and she starts to question everything a lot more, including Booker. Mm. Um, so she's no, she's a very interesting character. Well, I mean, she wouldn't have an idea except for knowing that she can c- control tears. And this that in that yeah. it was worth mentioning in that monument they had siphons to try yep. to fill because um, t- uh, Comstock was trying to keep her abilities under control. Well, yeah, it's a device specifically designed uh, by the Latisse twins. Um, yeah, to inhabit it to be as act as an inhibitor to keep her under control for her abilities um and there's multiple around around columbia mm. siphon just in case she's she's out there yeah because she's a bit can be she's reckless i guess yeah she doesn't understand her powers mm. or why they exist neither do we neither do we yet yeah yeah so <laughs> uh there's just a whole lot of unknown about this yeah. and we're, we're, we're getting questions are not being answered no we should ask comstock for some answers we should. Zachary Hale Comstock. So he's just, uh, I think we've sort of hinted at it as we've gone along what he's like based on the dialogue or the general interactions you have with him as yeah. in the times he pops up. Yeah. He is, he's basically, um, what, I had something, I had something here. I said like he's the purest form of a manipulator, mm. uh, but he's just, still, I don't know, he's like his own god. Yeah. Like he's his biggest fan and he's made everyone else be his biggest fan. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a really similar in a different way to uh you know what Andrew Ryan was. Uh, Andrew Ryan was just wanted to be the boss. But this guy yep. wants to be like the world boss. Yeah. He wants to be Chris Gale. Yeah. And it's clear that he's under a lot of Universe distress oh. from uh from Booker's presence as well. Mm. So he, I guess he is at the top of the food chain and he doesn't, and he wants under no circumstances to lose his power, mm. position of power. Like he believes in it so much. And then when someone like the false prophet shows up, he, uh, he's instantly on the, on the horn trying to tell him how it's going to end and, you know, getting people after him, things like that. So yeah, he's definitely maybe a bit fragile in his position as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, so unlike unlike the situation in Rapture with Andrew Ryan, uh, which yeah really distances distances itself from religions or anything else from the surface world, mm. uh, Columbia is a theocracy, which is led by you know Comstock being the theocratic leader, of course. Um, except the the really unique part of it is that he like the the part that he shares, he almost sets up a little pantheon of gods in a way mm-hmm. because he praises the founding fathers as almost gods. Yeah. And this is like a very much a, you know, strong men leading a strong country, inspiring another strong man to lead 
another thing, you know. Mm-hmm. He's just so caught up in this in his own ideals, really. Like yeah. he's obsessed. He's completely obsessed with himself. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Um so you mentioned in the towards the end of part A that the George Washington statue opens up. Yeah, yeah. And we'll touch on them more in the enemy part, but there's all these automated statues or guard like uh, sentinels. Yeah. That are big figurines or robots of the founding fathers like Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, yeah. George Washington Called and motorized patriots. Motorized patriots. All of these other you know, whoever the other founding fathers were, stuff them, I don't care. I can't remember them. Yeah. But basically <laughs> No idea. But he just thinks like, you know, America is like I don't know, Columbia is for Comstock. America Columbia is like America's greatest ever tribute to itself. Mm. And then Comstock takes it over and makes it the biggest tribute to him, himself. Yeah. Yeah. And that sort of paints the vibe. And we don't really learn everything about Comstock till the end of the game. Mm. At this point, he's just that he's just that zealot prophet. Yeah. Who is really turning out to be a piece of shit. <laughs> yes. The only other main characters to, I guess, mention that are that are consistent throughout the game is Robert and Rosalind Latisse. Mm. That uh, are a bit of a, I don't know, quirky sort of mysterious twins that just kind of pop up everywhere and give Booker a bit of direction slash more confusion. Yeah. They're, the, they're, they're like the... As they come at key points in the game and they're always a relief. They're, they relieve some stress when they can pop up. Yeah. Because you're like, these people are good people. Yeah. But they know so much and we don't know what they know. Anything. like There's no inkling of like what they're doing here and how much they know. Yeah. You're just walking along with them thinking... Listening to them talk, they'll just pop up. They're super calm all the time. And they're talking riddles to each other, finishing mm. each other's sentences. They're in many ways the same sort of person, right? They're just, they're, and they're twins, obviously. And it's just that, yeah, they just, oh, that's what I've put, uh, you know, noted as well. Like they pop up to explain things without ever explaining anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, like they had a, there's a point where you get to pick a, um, a cage or a, or a ca- bird. Cage or a bird. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it ends up influencing anything in the game, but you just, yeah, there's just these things. So early on. And as you take one, they go, oh, pity, you know, like, oh, whatever. I don't think it matters which you pick. They're just like, hmm. Yeah, it's (laughs) like they've got these form, like they're clearly smart people and you start to hear little hints of them as, you know, as, oh, fair, like just they uh, trailblazers in their scientific fields. Yeah. um, Which were, you become evident what that, those fields are later in the game. Uh, but it's like um, uh, 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 when you're like, yeah, so they give you options all the time or mm-hmm. they said don't pick 77 and all this sort of stuff. It's like they're, they're hedging bets on you. Yep. And even like at the start of the game when it's like, what, what was the, you might remember the line who said he doesn't row. Oh, I said, he, he's like, mm. like, why isn't he helping row? And he's like, he doesn't row. And it's like, no, he doesn't row. And they're like, Getting the bit like yeah the inflections on their sentences they're like no mm-hmm. it's not that he doesn't row it's that he's not meant to row like all this sort of thing and you're yeah. like and you're like yeah. what what's even going on here yeah. it's like they know everything and yeah and, and, we don't know a bit of it <laughs> yeah and your only instinct is to trust them because they're the very first people that you know in the game that aren't the main character that are seemingly from the surface world mm. um and they they seem to be trying to help you in their weird way. Mm. So that it's like 
yeah, they're people that you, I guess, you expect to be trustworthy. Not that they're not. That it's just that they're they're yeah. just, they're real oddball uh, characters. Yeah, they want you to work. <laughs> it's like you, you get the sense really quick, like they're testing you, or yeah, you've got to impress them or get mm-hmm. it right. But they're not going to help intervene to do it. Yeah, it's like David Attenborough when he sees a, a lion killing a poor pack of puppies. Mm-hmm. He goes, "Oh, we could easily step in and stop them, but." Let's just watch it happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And of course, we'll yeah. help us puppies. Many times throughout yeah. this game. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're all the main characters of the game. Um, interesting bunch. Mm. There's plenty of characters throughout. It's got that Bioshock flavor where um, the, I guess, different sections of the game, different chapters have their own sort of sub main character mm. that you may have to help or. You know, to, to you know, to make progress, you know, you do something for them, that kind of thing, mm. um, which happens in the next, the next, you know, part of the game, like the whole mid game, really. So, once you uh, you find Elizabeth after the uh, ladies' airship, you you go through a bunch of different areas, which I've kind of grouped together, but feel free to explain what you know, whatever you might have written down. But you go to a place called Finkton, um, where you have to do a bunch of. A few different quests, I think, uh, relaying to a place called the Gunsmith's Workshop for a, um, I, I forget, I don't know the name of the the person, but basically, I think it's 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 kind of an industrial area where you spend a significant portion of the game um, doing yeah tasks for sub characters to trade off for pro- progress towards the main goal, and a lot of these areas show the true nature of Columbia, where the lower class work tirelessly to keep keep the whole system running. Um, for those in wealth mm. and the Vox, Pop- the Vox Populi is sort of born out of this and uh, you end up going through a place called Shantytown as well which is sort of like the factory workers housing it's kind of like the slums mm. um, and then yeah, you really see what is really going on here there's this you know this this set of upper class people and Comstock and whatever and then there's this whole world of uh, underground lower class that are literally just living only to keep Columbia floating mm. in a way and when you first walk into Finkton, they've got the uh, the really slow, uh, like gramophone music playing over the loudspeaker. Yeah, and there's that ding noise, like ding, ding, and everybody's like, there's got people scrubbing the floors in yeah in time with the music. Yeah, like it's just it's all got to be so fine tuned. Mm. Everyone's got to do you know keep the rhythm. Um, and it's really and Finkton himself, he's so he's the you know the 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 boss of that area. Mm. He's not a He's a real entrep- entrepreneurial sort of person where he's like all like, you know, smile and wave sort of thing. But, you know, he's just he's going to be a, a bit of an evil bastard as well. Yeah. Or he's yeah. an industrialist, of course. Like he's anything to make the money and keep well, things going. Well, yeah. He'll just do whatever they tell him from above to mm. keep keep the system going and keep it keep uh, on top of everything. Yeah. And he looks like area. Mr. Monopoly too. He's got that big... Yeah. Mis- he's got the big mustachio yeah. sort of thing. And, think, and top hat. And, and for, for reference, the Fink... Corporation, I guess, creates a lot of the machinery all around, mm. um, all around Colombia. Yeah. Um, we- even weapons and uh, like vigors, vigors yep. as well. Yeah, um, the whole yeah, lot. They they basically create almost everything. And yeah. worth noting as well, like oh, sorry. Even one thing I did notice watching the some of the gameplay back was even the door on the exit to the library that Elizabeth is in has a massive Fink logo on it. Mm. So, like, the, the this corporate, 
this corporation has its hands in everything. Yeah. Um, but but then it's just run off complete uh, slum dog workers. Yeah. yeah. And he, and again, you're talking about the whole uh, the 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 caste system, like you know the pecking order of society there. Mm. Uh, so Comstock has Comstock House named after himself. Yep. And Finkton names his own industrial estate after himself. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just Fink Industries. It's called Finkton. Yeah, Finkton. Uh, and it's so everything. Everything is about praising the man in power. Yeah. In the, in the region. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even I know, like you know, it's, uh, Cornelius Slate wasn't that wasn't named after him, mm. but he's a war hero. Yeah. The whole thing's attributed to. Comstock's deeds, but also his deeds being at the same thing. Like it's just, yep. it's blowing, um, it's blowing their own trumpets big time, uh, and yeah. it's, it's relentless in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a way that's in a way that's uh, super probably even goes beyond what the the elite of Rapture were like. Yeah, in many ways. Yeah, truthfully, a lot of this sort of mid to late game is very foggy for me. It's hard to remember everything you do and why you do it. But the the overall goal for a lot of this is to get yourself towards uh, what is known as the hand of the prophet, which is Comstock's Zeppelin, mm. um, to, I guess, kill him uh, and also take it as a way to leave. Mm. Um, you, you end up going to a place called Emporia uh, after all of the industrial estate which is the wealthiest sector of Colombia. And here you witness a, a large-scale war going on between the upper class and the lower class. Mm. The Vox um, Populi, yeah. Yeah, so you yeah. kind of get involved in a good amount of fighting mm. for the lower class here. Yeah. Um, and then eventually you end up getting your way to, um, yeah, Comstock House, which is the headquarters of uh, what, are no- what is known as the Founders, Mm. And it's built upon the three heads of the founding fathers, uh, big floating island. And I remember um, one of the best visual imagery of the game is taking a gondola up to Comstock House. Mm. And it's right up in the sky. At this point in the game, the sky becomes dark, gloomy, sort of uh, stormy. And you can just, it, it sort of pops out through the clouds, this just giant island with the big marble, heads. big white marble. Yeah, and it's, uh, yeah, probably the most visually interesting thing in the whole game, in my opinion. Yeah, it would be like yeah. if you, you were seeing Mount Rushmore for the first time, but in the sky. Yep. Sort of yeah. thing. In the yeah. sky, and it looks entirely evil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And even getting up to this point as well, like we, we, um, Elizabeth's, uh, you know, time tearing is going out of control. So even when yep. we were looking for this gunsmith, we couldn't find him in the reality. So she took us to another reality, yeah, in which the Vox Populi were in control of the place. You know, uh, Booker had become a, a a martyr for the Vox Populi. There were statues everywhere, and people see him and think he's come back from the dead. Yeah, this whole it goes on this real uh, spiral of um, time bending. Yeah, to this point, you do generally end up in the same reality again. Um, but you know, even getting the Lutes. Uh, you know, twins explained and everything like that. Yeah. Um, where, you know, it became a matter of... Uh, we touch on... Uh, I don't want to jump ahead of where you're, where you're taking us, Will, but are we jumping ahead to... Well, I skipped, like, the whole game. Just yeah. Then, so. yeah. Yeah, so we're just... Uh, you know, it's explained to us basically Elizabeth's nature, um, not to the not to the uh, the big reveal of exactly how she has her powers yet and everything. Mm-hmm. 
But basically, the Lutest twins, you know, they were they were killed. The Lutest twins are the same person from different realities. Yeah, and that's how they discovered each other. Yeah, um, you know, there was Lady Comstock who was killed as well because and Comstock killed the Lutest twins and Miss Lady Comstock, and Lady Comstock was Baron, basically, and uh, Comstock. They basically found out the nature of his works with Elizabeth, and they killed. He killed them off mm-hmm. um, because they knew too much. Yeah, and I was thinking as well, the test twins in all their mysteriousness, they're they're almost the gods that Comstock wishes he was. Yeah, because somehow they've avoided this death because they're still popping up. Yeah, to talk like they're they're just they're almost like uh, I'm trying to think. Um, there's some game or movie or something we've played where someone just pings between timelines really super easily. Um, I can't remember what it is, <laughs> but they're like they're almost like gods though. Like it's yeah. just a, and it's um, yeah. yeah, it becomes a bit really quite convoluted. But as I mentioned before, when you start, if you take the time to process all these voxophones, um, all of this implied story, yeah, the, yeah, the world, the, the storytelling the world gives you, yeah. if you want to pick it up, there aren't any plot holes. No, there's not. That's the thing about I guess talking about it right now. We we can talk so much about it and and our thoughts on it but playing that game listening to all the voxophones um listening to all the dialogue of npcs even just as you walk past and things that's you you find out so much um about the very minor details that you probably never would have expected to even hear mm. very similar to bioshock one mm. um but i think bioshock one's so iconic so you can probably remember a bit more of the key lines but uh infinite yeah you really start to find out the the true details of what's happening towards the end of the game um as as they are yeah trying to get towards the hand of the prophet and also trying to find and destroy the siphons mm. um or, or siphon around uh in columbia so that book uh, elizabeth can truly use her powers as which, well which we don't even understand what that means yet either yeah yeah um there's a couple of things we should talk about before we get towards you know actually talking about the end of the game firstly I don't remember where it happens or like you might remember more than me, but there is a section of the game that becomes pretty dark and scary uh, where I think probably at the very end of it, you fight a, a bunch of enemies called sirens and there's there's like a ghost of Lady Comstock. Yeah. Um, and near this part is where you find out uh, or at least... It's definitely Comstock House because I know they're in Comstock House, but it's around this area where you meet the Boys of Silence as an enemy. Um, and we mm. both had crazy experience uh, with this. Yeah, and talking... So, part of the thing was... Um, uh, yeah, and I can't remember the exact nature of it, but we we go, we go have to encounter Lady Comstock because Elizabeth needs... I think it's to get the um, her, like, genetic genetic key yeah. <laughs> or something to, to be able to get up to um, yeah. Comstock House Thumb. to find her. But her, her shade keeps coming in and trying to attack you and bringing back all these, you know, the dead enemies and yep. you have to kill her to kill them. And yeah, But her screeching's intense. Like, mm. it, it's it's really quite a dark part, as you mentioned. Well, yeah. mate, it, it visually makes the game really dark and spooky. Mm. We, and, and it's such a change from the... This game is like 90% in the daylight. In the sun, yeah. And it's all colourful, like you mentioned already so yeah this is a huge change uh in in vibe completely mm. yeah and then yeah when we're getting up into comstock house 
uh, we go into this. It's a like an orphanage. Mm. And as you're walking through, and this was in the heavy in the promotions for the game, there are these things called Boys of Silence, which yep. are people, again, who have been fitted with a uh, almost like a two a, a trumpet. Uh, it's like it's like a brass a brass helmet, and it's got yeah. two big trumpet ears. Think of think of Shrek sort of funnel ears. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but no eyes on it. About this big this big mouth that drops open, and basically what they're doing is they're set up so that none of the orphanage boys or girls were walking around at night trying to do anything. It's like a security thing, make sure they stay in bed and all this sort mm. of thing. And basically, you have to skulk around this place, um, trying to avoid these boys of silence as they peer around um, and trying to listen for any intruders. Yeah. And when you trigger them as well, they just like they just scream um, bloody murder basically. And all of these, I think, I think these like all of the um, these sort of phasing people who are stuck between realities because yeah. you're bending it so much at the minute, sort of come and attack you. If, yeah. If you, if you trigger it. Yeah. Because you can't kill a boy of silence. Uh, and yeah, it's, uh, speaking of this this one particular uh, scene <laughs> where you finally get well, up to you yeah. finally get up to the control panel. Um, where you, where you're trying to get to, <laughs> and <laughs> I remember exactly how it how it how it hit me uh, is when you 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 go up to the screen, you press the you pull the pull the lever you're meant to pull. And then I tried to move my left stick to move Booker out of the way. He just wasn't moving anyway. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm stuck. So I just (laughs) sat there for a minute thinking like, oh, I just have to wait for the, you know, I'm trying to get ahead of myself here. There must be dialogue. I'm like, oh, there's no dialogue. Yeah. Still can't move. So then just move, (laughs) have a look around and like (laughs) not even a foot from your face. There's a boy of silence. He just screams. (laughs) Right behind you. Right behind you. Oh, (laughs) and it was so intense. I actually, I pushed out, I paused the game. I, I, because I had my feet on the ground because it was yeah. tense. I pushed back in this in this chair I had, and it sort of didn't tilt all the way back or fall mm. over. But I fully rocked back and it hit pause, and then just like <laughs> I actually like swore out loud. And yeah. I never back in the day living at home, parents I never never swore in front of my parents. And I just let it rip. And I was just like <laughs> bloody hell. I had to go out to the kitchen and just like laugh it off before I went uh, back and played it because I was just it, it got me so hard. It's a shocker. Yeah, yeah. I think I was. I remember I was playing it at like two a.m. Yeah. In the dark, in my bedroom, and this what this massive chair I used to have in the middle of my bedroom that took up the whole bedroom, and you were just sinking it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I just instantly pressed pause. The very second it happened, I jumped that hard. I just went pause and just like, I think my eyes were shut. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely freaked out. Oh, it was so intense, so loud as well. And I uh, that was so that was out of nowhere. That's the best jump scare in Bioshock, mm. um, and it's it's the only one in Infinite. Whereas the first one. Or two have, you know, five to ten each. Yeah. This has one and it's yeah. more powerful than all of yeah. them. <laughs> it hits like a truck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then, yeah, that that kind of opens up a bit of stealth gameplay as well, the Boys of Silence, because mm. you don't want to make noise. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's an in- intense time. It is. But I thought it's worth bringing up. Well, it's a few- a really, and they, they're one of the only, um, besides the, you know, those zealots and stuff who have the random uh, vigors, the powers and everything. Yeah. With the the boys of silence, the handyman, and this and songbird, uh, just uh, there's not yeah that's not many and they pop up at key moments like mm. at scripted moments. But those three alone paint that real un give me that real unsettling feeling that the first 
couple of Bioshocks did. Yeah. For that same reason, where yeah. you just think these people are just like, you know, you just want to know what the science is behind them, you know, the, this fictional yeah. science, but you also just feel a bit sick in your stomach yeah. thinking about them. Yeah. Or I do think about fighting the handyman because mm. those things are fast. They can jump bloody 50 meters, whatever direction you're going. They hit like a truck. Those things are intense. And then also motorized patriots, um, yeah, basically walk around with a massive turret mm. um, and they're, mecha- they're mecha- like metal. So they take tons to put down. I think you have to hit them in the back, maybe. And the big, yeah, the gears on their back. Um, and and they got the big red eyes. Yeah, and those things like they hunt you, like war pig. Yeah, yeah, like war pig. Um, they really hunt you. So those are they're pretty intense. But you can pull, and this this is a gameplay uh, uh, dynamic we've uh, haven't mentioned mechanic. Uh, but yeah, Vin Diesel. But basically, you uh, you put the um, <laughs> what Vin Diesel? Yeah, it's a it's gameplay mechanic. What are you talking about? Vin Diesel is a shit mechanic, remember? Did you not pay attention to our last episode? Was no. I just talking to was I talking to the bald man? I don't recall you ever talking about Vin Diesel. <laughs> we had a good laugh last week about it. Yeah. Anyway, everyone out there, I oh, hope, you, hope you like the throwback. In in free for all four. Yes. You mean? Sorry. Sorry. I was t- trying to think back to Bioshock Infinite Part A and I was like, I don't think you're talking oh. about Vin Diesel. <laughs> Sorry, I meant last last week. Yeah, I got you. Three days ago, two days ago, three months ago. ago, three months ago. Yeah, use whichever option you like. Will. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, but basically, the you, uh, Elizabeth can bring phase things in from other realities. Yeah. So there'll be like an outline of like an ammo box or an outline of like a, a grapple hook above to change your how you traverse the the um, the arena, the little battle yep. arena. Uh, or there could be motorized uh, patriots as well, so you can get yep. them to fight on your side, which is super cool. Well, and they die really, they die really easily yeah. when they're for you, which is fantastic. Yeah. Speaking of getting enemies to fight on your side, let's talk about all the vigors in the game. I've got them all written down because there's one in particular that is a great vigor for that, which is called uh, possession, mm. which uh, can I guess twist the mind of one of the enemies for however long it lasts. I don't know, probably yeah. twenty seconds or something. But that can really turn the tide in a big battle because some of the combat in this, there's a lot of enemies at yeah, mm. like they're everywhere, all directions. The combat distances can be pretty tough in this game, which mm. is why you want to use the um, sky hook to keep moving. Mm. Um, but yeah, possessions are really good one. I'll, I'll go through the rest. Feel free to comment on any of them well, at any po- point. Even possessions, it looks great because it's like a you're throwing like a siren, like this woman. Yeah. And she goes around and just dances around them like they're falling yep. in love with her sort of thing. It's really cool. I do love the vigors in this game. I, I think I do like the vigors yeah, more than the plasmids from Bioshock. They're I just more- general they just generally are more interesting to to see happen. Mm, yeah. yeah. So we've got Bucking Bronco. Fantastic. That's my favorite. See, that's yeah, I remember that's your favorite one, and I feel like I never really used it. Yeah. <laughs> and this is basically he where you can just throw them all um just puts out a shockwave that makes them all levitate from the ground. And the hand yeah. animation looks cool though, because all of these little chunks of his hand are just sort of levitating, going like skin going in and out. Yeah. Like like um like a cracked surface, like cracked mud or something. Yeah. Looks really cool. Yeah. Uh, we've got charge. Never used that really. Yeah. You can just send them, just run into them, hurling off the yeah off the side of the Let's thing. Let's just forget that one. Devil's kiss. Fire. Is That's it? fire. Yep. Um. Just throws little good on you. A lot of fireballs. Yeah. A bit yep. like incinerate. 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 Uh, Murder of Crows, we've spoken about. Possession. Return to Sender. Address unknown. Um, 
That's pretty what cool. What are you doing, though? Return to sender <laughs> is you hold it down, and basically what he does, he has this little magnetic force field. Oh, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a absorbs telekinesis type sort of thing. Yeah, it yeah. absorbs all the bullets yeah. and then it makes them into like a little meteorite thing and you yeah. peel them back. Nice, nice. Never used it. Uh, shock jockey, electro bolt, redone basically. And it looks really cool. So Electro Bolt yeah. in the first game, as his hand goes up, it's just you know electrical currents through his hand. Yeah. But this is all based off like almost like stalactite um, mineral things, like blue yeah. blue rocks stacking out of his yeah. hand, and you can put traps in the ground that are the same thing. Yes, these I can all do. These the science, can all but... do traps. Yeah. I forgot about that. Um, long long hold. Yep. For you know to, to use or whatever. Um, last one in the main game is undertow, which I used a fair bit. Which is like a, it's, it's like, like using surf water tentacles. Yeah, you can blast them away, or you can get yeah. these big tendrils out, pull everyone close, and throw them away. Yeah, really hard to get right though. Yeah, I used to use undertow, mm. um, and obviously shock jockey is the everyone uses shock jockey. Yeah, um, I wanted to mention my one of my other favorite ones, which is from Barrel at Sea. I know we're not talking about Barrel at Sea yet, but uh, Old Man Winter. Is mm. a, a vigor from Barrel Sea, which is basically just like the Winter Blast. Um, Winter Blast from Bioshock. But um, <clears throat> there's something about the name Old Man Winter that just gets me going. It's just oh, a yeah. good name. Oh, it's a great name. Yeah, and Old the Man... good. I love the artwork for the vigors in Infinite. So cool. Yeah. Anything that's Old Man something, like Old Man River, even though it's a song name, all these, all these things, they just you just think, I am a god <laughs> with this in my head. Yeah. I did actually think, remember, I was going to order some vigor posters. To put up. I should, right. I should get some because they have very cool artwork. They are cool. And uh, going along with the figures is a um, kinet- kinetoscope film mm. for each of them that are really funny little clips about how to use them Yeah, as well. And uh, it's and just and just thinking now, actually, speaking of the figures, how they look cool, they're like, I think thematically they fit better than the injectables as well because mm. they're like snake oil. It's like snake oil, like if you had a snake oil merchant back in those days because yeah, this is like yep. the end of the Wild West era. Yeah. And you just think of like mm. those big bottles of colourful tonics yeah. that promise, you know, promising in, in, immortality. Yeah. And they'll just give you a rash, you know, <laughs> yeah. just that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, worth mentioning, I guess, that there's also gear in the game, which mm-hmm. is kind of like, I don't know, small up upscaling system for, for your character where you apply different clothing that have different... Uh, upgrade abilities attached to them yeah like armor and, and uh who cares yeah i used a few but the one, ones that make you seriously ones that make you quieter when you run or like give you 40 percent mm. armor it's it's all it's all cool it's, but it's it's bioshock's like closest attempt to having a skill tree which means i'm out <laughs> yeah well what about the um the original bioshocks you know the the to let the, everyone know what about I the hate gen- skill trees <laughs> Save it, buddy. What about the what about the gene tonics and stuff like that from the first game? That's a bit skill tree ish. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and but, it gets, uh, but the thing I like cool about ones, them though. is that you can craft your own. Yeah, I think that that's kind of fun at least. Mm. But even then, I never. I've played Bioshock One a bunch of times. I've never dived into gene tonics properly ever. Well, and I've never dived into gear in Bioshock Infinite other than picking it up and going, "Oh, that sounds like it's good," and equipping it. And that's it. Never like read through them, tried to study right. them. No. Nah. I've always enjoyed them. I've always enjoyed them. Yeah, but a you're a nerd. You're a nerd. You're a weeb. <laughs> I think there's a, uh, uh, just a shout out, because we probably didn't mention it when we did Bioshock, but natural camouflage is the best, uh, is probably the best tonic because if you just stand still for three seconds, you go fully invisible. And you just stand there. 
shitting yourself, not really? wanting to take all the 10 enemies that are just standing around you. So in I just- in, I, the, in Bioshock 1? Yeah. Really? So I used to just stand there for about 10 minutes, not Why wanting to move. you ever tell me about this? I would have loved to get into that gene tonic. You're too focused on the anime. <laughs> I'd, um, watch you, a, I'd watch a Bioshock anime. Don't act like you wouldn't. Now, now, oh, I'd love to. Now, I want you to call out. What's this fight? This oh, <laughs> <laughs> we've got the we've got the um, National Hockey League match on currently. The Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, we do. It's on and, the screen. And there's there's, <laughs> there's haymakers playing left and right. There's a fight that's just broken out. It's and Alistair Clarkson and friggin' the chair. Whatever his name is, the wall. Oh, sorry, um, Alistair Lynch and. Um, Daryl Wakeland. Daryl Wakeland, yeah. So, if we're looking at uh, basically this bloke was being pulled out of it by an opposition, <laughs> and another opposition bloke just punched him in the face while he's being held <laughs> back. Good Lord. This is what hockey's all about. Oh, yeah. You know? And this is what Bioshock Infinite's all about just chaos combat. Yeah, imagine if he had a, a skyhook on his hand. Fucking <laughs> oh, straight, sure. straight to the face. Well, he got face shields. I didn't mean to swear just then. You want to talk about the the late game ending of the game? Want to get serious? In part C. Spoiler territory. Part C. <laughs> That's what we're almost in part C. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about it. I actually copied a ton of text from online that I found so I could just read it instead of trying to make a meal of it. So I'm going to read it and I want you to butt in whenever you want to stop and chat about what I said. Oh, I've got a nice, uh, I've got a nice wrap-up statement. Yeah, so this is the, the late and ending. So if anyone hasn't played Bioshock Infinite, Please do go and play it instead of listening to what we're about to say because it's such a great game. Yeah. Um, and just play all of just play all of Bioshock in general. 10 to 12 hours. It's a linear experience. Yeah, it's not that long. 10-hour mm. game. Um, all right. So Booker and Elizabeth access the flag, uh, the flagship, the what's it called? Um, what it's, we- it's going really well so far, Will. No, I'm glad are, you're reading off there. What are, what's the buddy? What's it called? <laughs> the, um, the Comstock uh, shippy. Yeah, the hand of the prophet. The hand of the prophet. Uh, uh, using a gunship uh, on top of Comstock House. There's like a gondola that's called, I think, the fan- Founder's Gondola that takes them directly to the hand the It's hand Lady of the Comstock's airship, and it's the only one that can get to the uh, hand of the prophet. That's why she went there. And that's Yeah, no, it's lady- all coming together. Yeah, okay. Just agree. Um, they fight off both founder and Vox popular gunships on the way but eventually reach there um, only to find it heavily defended by the last remnants of the founder forces and besieged by the Vox popular no. uh, fighting both factions they ascend through the ship by clearing skylines uh, carrying motorized patriot pods oh. uh, on each level eventually reaching the bridge here they realize that Monument Island is a huge siphon that is uh, preventing Elizabeth from actively creating tears. Moving through to the sanctuary, they find Comstock waiting for them, who suggests that Booker knows more about Elizabeth and her missing finger than he is telling. Have we said that? Elizabeth um, has a missing finger. Elizabeth has a missing finger. Yeah. Pinky. Yes. Um, after Comstock becomes aggressive with Elizabeth, Booker kills him in a fit of rage. Dead. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> Comments? Yeah, uh, the the encounter is quite powerful. Yeah. He's telling him that he knows more. Yeah. He's saying, you know what's going on, Comstock to Booker. Mm. Then Booker just dashes his head against this baptismal font because, of course, uh, Comstock is hanging out in a little chapel thing with a font in it. Yeah. And then he just drowns him in this in this um, in the waters of the of the font. 
Yes. Yes. Uh, after Elizabeth becomes concerned about Comstock's words, she and Booker resolve uh, to fly the ship to Monument Island to destroy the siphon and learn the truth. Steering the ship toward the island, they are besieged by Vox Populi forces who seek to destroy the hand of the prophet and kill Elizabeth. At that moment, Elizabeth works out the meaning of the letter given, to, uh, given by her older self, tearing the whistler from the statue's head and using it to control the songbird. The Vox Populi begin an assault on the flagship's main generator and the songbird helps defend the surface deck from multiple uh, different zeppelins and gunships. The, they eventually arrive at Monument Tower where Songbird is instructed to bring down the siphon. Upon destruction, the siphon releases a huge electromagnetic pulse causing Booker to drop the whistler and visibly destabilizing the hand of the prophet. The three escape the ship though through a tear created by Elizabeth, leaving uh, leaving the fate of the hand of the prophet unknown. Oh. Yeah, anything? Because uh, from here it's me- mega mega spoilers. The it ending. is. Yeah. The ending is pretty much non-interactive. Uh, but yeah, this whole using Songbird was cool. Yeah, very intense battle. It took me many, many, many goes. Yeah, there's uh, a, there's actually a lot going on in lot the sky, of, different gunships and things. It's a good one. Use the sky rail a lot. Yeah. Um, whatever it's actually called, but with a sky hook. I always assume it's called like a, a gondola rail. They're all gondolas everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's really, yeah, it's really intense, but super cool. Uh, it just has a real, it just feels so apocalyptic because you just know there's so much going on with time and everything. And mm. it's just, it's quite intense more than you'd yeah. expect. Like you just feel like there's just so much going wrong. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I never felt like winning in this game was winning. Yeah, properly. Um, Bioshock had a different feel, of the, uh, different feel about it because you're just trying to get out of Rapture and you think this is all good. But this just has a, I don't know, it's something really harrowing about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, end the ending. Elizabeth opens a tear, transporting the three of them to the underwater city of Rapture. Songbird, with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Booker, Elizabeth, and Songbird. Booker and Elizabeth remain safe inside, but Songbird, <laughs> Songbird is transported outside and crushed by the immense pressure of the ocean. Yeah, and he's and he's become he he just you see in the color of his um because his eyes go different colors greens when he's chill yeah reds when he's evil yeah and now that you're controlling him with the with the um the kazoo the great kazoo yeah it's just um it's just quite sad because mm. he never got to learn. What this slave it really was. Yeah, it is. It is sad. It's, but yeah, it's hard to be sad on your first playthrough of this because you've just ended up in rapture. Yeah. And you're just like, what? <laughs> you yeah. have absolutely no idea why you're there. <laughs> yeah. But really cool though. Oh, so cool. How did you feel in that moment? In this moment, I felt like I was finally, we we're finally going to get the answers that we'd been yeah. seeking. And again, we get a lot of more of them in Burial at Sea, which is yep. just um, one of the more purposeful DLCs ever. Yeah. Like, amazing. Uh, and I just think, yeah, I remember just thinking, oh, wow, this is so cool. We're not there for very long because Elizabeth starts to explain things, as you'll, I'm sure you'll touch on. Uh, but it's just, uh, it was almost surreal. Mm. And it's, you know, 10 years on from Bioshock Infinite coming out, we think... How did we ever struggle for, you know, there was six years between Bioshock 1 
or even, you know, or even four years between Bioshock 2 and Infinite. Mm. We hadn't even been gone from Rapture that long. Nah. But we're like, oh, we're finally here. It's been like, yeah. it's been 10 years for us now. <laughs> I feel bad that we wanted to be there so badly. Yeah. And they crafted this whole new world. Yeah. <laughs> and then when we got to Rapture, we were like, finally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And which isn't, which isn't anything bad against Columbia. I reckon yeah. they're both exceptional places, but yeah. 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 No, it's, um, it's an incredible moment. And sad, yeah, it's sad to see Songbird die after Songbird is, I guess, becomes an ally. He's yeah. almost freed. You're all controlling Songbird, but he's kind of your ally. Yeah. And and he only was ever programmed to protect Elizabeth as well. Mm. So it's not like he's killing Booker because he hates him. Mm. You know, so you sort of feel bad. All right. Here comes the explanation of everything. Elizabeth takes Booker to the, that reality surface and lighthouse. They travel out through the building's door to a place outside space and time containing countless lighthouses and alternate versions of them. I just will say that when this happened, I was in the biggest state of confusion I'd ever been. Yeah, we're just on a sea, a flat, calm sea with yeah. lighthouses everywhere. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? This is crazy. Mm. Elizabeth explains that they are within one of an infinite number of possible realities, both similar and drastically different due to choices that have been made. She shows Booker the truth that on October 8, 1893, Robert Lutis approached him on behalf of Comstock, requesting that he give us the girl and wipe away the debt, referring to Booker's infant daughter, Anne DeWitt, the origin of Booker's AD branding. Uh, Booker reluctantly agreed to sell Anna, in order to pay his gambling debts, but soon changed his mind. He arrived too late to stop Comstock, escaping to Rosalind's universe through a tear, the closing of which severed the child's finger. Comstock subsequently raised Anna as Elizabeth, his daughter. Due to the severed finger, Elizabeth exists in two realities at once, her finger in Robert's reality and the rest of her body in Rosalind's. This is what gives Elizabeth the ability to open and create tears at will. Mm. Which I feel like... Even when I, even when I played it, I don't even know if I grasped that completely. It was so so much like so much info dump at the end of this game. Yeah, that I was just like oh, I couldn't keep up. No, it was hard. It was crazy. One of those things you have to pause. Yeah, every minute just to think about it for thirty seconds and then yeah. play it again. And this is not even very old to see. No. <laughs> um. Later, Robert, feeling guilty for his actions, convinced Rosalind to help him bring Booker to Columbia in Rosalind's reality to rescue Elizabeth, hence the rowboat at the beginning of the game. Elizabeth explains that whatever actions Booker takes against Comstock, Comstock will still remain alive in at least one of these universes. The Lutistas have tried to enlist a Booker from different universes numerous times to end the cycle, but the result is always the same. Golly. It's a lot. Yeah. It's crazy that, and obviously there's like the hint of time bending because of the tears or I guess like, yeah, being able to change reality through the game. But I don't think anyone would have ever expected it to be this uh, entwined in like multiple universes. Mm. Like you were saying in the thing in part A that, you know, different things like the multiverse and that weren't, Aren't things, weren't things that had come to light in, I guess, mainstream media yet. So this was our first real experience of something where there's like different dimensions and 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 realities. And I don't think our brains were ready to handle handle it all. I don't think they are still. <laughs> we don't really know what's going on. Yeah, in anything. We okay. just we just watch movies zonk out. We just watched um, 
uh, Spider-Man uh, across the Spider-Verse. Across the Spider-Verse, yep. The other day. And uh, that was... Uh, that's my new favourite Spider-Man movie. Mm. Uh, it's an incredible movie. Yeah. But still, try to get me to explain what the hell happened. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't tell you. <laughs> yeah, nah. Um, it, it's... It, yeah, it really warmed us up for those sort of things, I think. But it's, yeah, it did. It's, it's under, underrated how tidy it was, though. Like I said, when you start really looking into it, what it all means and everything, like you pause to reflect on it because mm-hmm. that's what I was doing. I was like, wait, does it make sense? Because I'm like, this. I really hope such a tight series doesn't yeah. unravel at this last info yeah. dump. And, yeah. he, and I was just like, no, it makes sense. Like, uh, you know, Elizabeth's pinky. That's yep. what she, this whole game, she's had a thimble on her think, thumb, yep. uh, pinky, because she's lost it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I guess it would make sense. It would be pretty intense if someone existed in two universes at the same yeah. time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, anyway. <laughs> it's fascinating. The only way to break the cycle is to prevent Comstock from being created in the first place. Elizabeth transports Booker to the place he went to be baptized and cleansed of his sins after his actions at the Battle of Wounded Knee. Booker avoided baptism at the last moment and later fathered his daughter, Anna, in Robert's universe. While in Rosalind's universe, he took the baptism, found religion, became Comstock and never had children. Comstock, sterile from exposure to the Latisse's technology, was aware of his identity as Booker and engineered Anna's abduction to provide him with a blood heir for Columbia. Booker and Elizabeth at the baptism are joined by alternate versions of Elizabeth from other universes. Booker allows them to drown him, preventing his baptismal choice from ever being made and thus stopping Comstock and Columbia from ever existing. One by one, the Elizabeths begin to disappear, the screen cutting to black before the original original Elizabeth does. Mm. Yeah. It's a bit of a... It's like the spinning top in uh, Inception. Yeah, you just don't know it's what it means. Like, yeah, did 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 we win? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. It's so the and I when we were talking about the start of the game, we had to enter Columbia by having a, a baptism first, being baptized first. Yeah, that was an ex, add an extra layer to this parallel that I realized. Yeah, really only picked up on as I was doing, doing the notes for this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah, so Booker kills Comstock by drowning him in a baptismal font. Yeah. Uh, while Booker meets his own end in the waters of the baptism and baptism that were going to cause the, this split into so many timelines. Yeah. So Comstock born in a born by a baptism, ended by a baptism. Yeah. Um, and then they both, yeah, they both die in the same way that they're created. Yeah. Basically, mm-hmm. uh, and it's just I don't know. It's just a really neat. Uh, this I don't know that I've never really thought about the religious symbolism of it all, really. But there's just so much there to unpack still. Um, yeah, you know what would what was Ken Levine thinking when, when he was writing that sort of bit? <laughs> yeah. He's just thinking like, you know, I don't know. Um, you, yeah, you could go on forever about what it, what it could mean about you know what you create, how you create is how you're going to die, or mm-hmm. um, I don't know. There's no way of you know, baptism doesn't make you pure enough to, you know, clean you of your sins from the past, whether it was the wounded knee battle, wounded knee massacre, mm. all that sort of stuff. Anyway, I just found it. I just find it really fascinating. All of these recurring themes that yep. just popped 
in and out of this game. Like everything's mm. bookended by the same theme almost. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty tight-knit experience. It's really, yeah, it's really yeah. tight-knit. And we sort of think, I think, uh, in being an action game, it feels a bit more like an action movie. You think, mm. oh, maybe that feels a bit cheaper than the the groundbreaking way that you play Bioshock or System Shock or whatever. Yep. It's probably just a natural progression. We haven't played System Shock yet. I'm sure System Shock, Bioshock was as different to System Shock as Infinite was to yeah, Bioshock. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I just think, um, yeah, just the, uh, yeah, the, the stories and the themes and the politics and the social commentary that are put in these games uh, are just so thought. They're not obvious. Uh, and they're just um, they're as unique to the game world as they are to the real world, I think, which is just a really nice thing. Which, which is mm. why we love Ken Levine. Yeah, I, he's such I, a nerd. I think we, we probably said this in the last episode about Bioshock One, but we'd love to just spend uh, a session just picking his brain, yeah, and just seeing what how his mind works. Yeah, uh, coming up with this stuff would be uh, just insane. Just to even hear what he his likes and hates in the world, yeah. likes and dislikes, because hmm. he'd be like, "Yeah, I really like this," and they'd be like, "I'm sure he'd just start ranting about yeah. the way society's set up." And you're like, "Oh, yeah, that makes so much <laughs> yeah. sense." <laughs> yeah, we had so many views about society. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just, um, yeah. and that's why we love these games so much. Yes. Well, well that's that, the sorry, game. It's, it's politicals we get. Ah, uh, yeah, basically. It's appreciate yeah, it. Basically. Um, yeah. Yeah, as long as you don't look at all my alternate Twitter accounts. Your fanfic, where I just abuse politicians. <laughs> well, I just well, I just think that uh, uh, I, I don't. Uh, what would you think if Bioshock was made today in the you know in the quote unquote the woke society or something? Not getting into it, but I just wonder how like different it would be. Because it's pretty, mm. it's pretty unapologetic in talking. You know, in, it's a, it's of its time. Period pieces should be. Yeah. what they are but you know Columbia is like I said a real bigoted place mm. I wonder if Ken is a, if Ken is a real uh, you know does analyze society like we think he probably does yeah I wonder what his games would be like now yeah like now that we big boys they, that they took things. place in the current day yeah yeah I don't know or just if that if the themes are weaved <laughs> I into imagine the past. that they would uh, call out a lot of stuff mm. push the boundaries a bit Imagine all the all the. Um, I hope he makes a footy game where the where the dads can yell at the at the players. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, we could do a whole episode about that. <laughs> um, well, that's the game. That's Bioshock Infinite. We've gone beginning to end in two two large large episodes. The only thing left is a couple of burning questions. Oh. Uh, to save the day. You remembered. I remembered. I remembered the burning questions today. <laughs> How. Well, this might be a very vague open question, but how well does this game truly stack up to you? I feel like it's very easy to remember the early game, arriving at Columbia, a lot of the a lot of the final proceedings of the game. But most of the mid game and end game is pretty foggy to me, especially in comparison to the original game. Because uh, you loved um, Arcadia. Getting that Lazarus Vector. Well, it's not th- that I love Arcadia. It's that it's memorable because of what it is. Because of I Lazarus. Because we had to do that Lazarus Vector. <laughs> but, I, but I personally don't think that the core center of Biostring Infinite is is that memorable. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. The, I guess the question is, does this game deserve the same applause as Bioshock 1, potentially, or mm. not? No, doesn't. Mm. 
Uh, I think it's we're right in saying that it's more like an action game, mm. which does cheapen it. We've spoken about Resident Evil recently. The, yep. Where they make go more action does make it cheaper. And I know yeah. Resident Evil 4, from what you've said, it's almost the perfect balance between the two. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Resident Evil 3, first ever episode, that was just too much action coming yeah. from number two, which was all suspense. So yep. uh, I think it's it's a bit too action-y to be remembered in the same almost, you know, arty way. Because yeah. Bioshock 1 was art. Yeah. Bioshock 2, visually. Uh, so infinite, Bioshock infinite. Uh, in terms of its concept and its like themes and everything, is very art like. Mm-hmm. But that's the stuff beneath the surface. Yeah, yeah. Bioshock One, the the actual art and the the layers and everything are the actual core experience. Yeah, um, not the below the surface experience. Mm-hmm. So, I think I think in that sense, it's it can't be considered the same. Um, mm. You know, like so, Bioshock One would be a ten for me, and yeah. Infinite would be a nine. Yeah. So, yeah, for me. So uh, yeah. I um, and even Bioshock Two is a, a nine for me, but that's because it's just as good as number one technically, but it's not the original. Yeah. yeah. It's not its own thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I think uh, I I just I've I've restarted Bioshock Infinite a bunch of times, and I always get to a point in the game where a lot of the early game stories laid itself out, and I know that there's a while to go before the sort of ending proceedings. Um, and there's a, a really large chunk of, to me, somewhat shallow, repetitive action orientated gameplay mm. to get through before you get to anything interesting again. And I think, but I don't feel that in Bioshock One. I feel like everywhere you go has a different kind of objective that has a specific purpose mm. um, to get you to where you need to be. Whereas I think I feel like Bioshock Infinite has a lot of getting going from one place to another just defending yourself for the sake of the fact that you're not wanted. Yeah. There, you know, so um, I think just generally at its core gameplay, it doesn't hold up. Even if it, maybe it's a little bit funner with the Skyhooks and stuff, but yeah, I can't hold them on the same pedestal, even though Bioshock Infinite is still uh, very high on my uh, top, top games list, but definitely not near Bioshock 1. Yeah. yeah. And even if you think of uh, Rapture is basically post-Civil War, so all the bad stuff's already happened, as in you just have to imagine how bad mm. it was and then it all blew up. Whereas you're in, in Columbia, you're there when it's good and it's just yep. starting to unravel. Yeah. So you've just got, got the inklings of, oh, mm-hmm. things aren't really that good. Yeah. Whereas in Rapture, you already know everything was shit for like yep. 10 years. Yeah. So it's just there's a lot more history in the game, mm. in the game there. But yeah, uh, but yeah anyway, that's still, it's uh, just for... Yeah, some people would love Infinite way more than oh, number one. Still a great game. Yeah. <laughs> so my question for you, right? Uh, so Rapture was built on unrestricted freedom for the elite, for the elite, just to do what they wanted without the government limiting them, without the church, whatever. Uh, Columbia was built on pure American exceptionalism, mm. just the sheer arrogance of the whole thing. Is it boggles me. So which of the two cities, Rapture and Columbia, do you feel deserved its collapse more? And which founder do you think was more evil between Comstock and Andrew Ryan? Um, oh, God. Who was more evil? I don't find... I don't know if I find Andrew Ryan that specifically evil. I get, I get that he made a society for people to live in that were, I guess, upper class. But... 
I guess Comstock's actions of taking Booker's child um, are probably making him more evil. Uh, that's a really hard question. What about his rulers and founders, though? Yeah. What like their ideals? Yeah. I think it's probably better... I'd probably say Columbia probably deserved to be brought down more than Rapture. I think Rapture, the science behind plasmids and things kind of caused their demise. And of course, there was people trying to maybe rise up against Ryan. Um, but I think genu- generally, what we've talked about, Comstock's personality throughout um, Bioshock Infinite and, and how, how he treats himself as a god... And I guess the way that you have to come into Columbia and be baptized and you have to be part of a society is not, I guess, it wouldn't feature like all of the normal ideals of like a human life. Mm. Does that make sense? So I think it's probably, yeah, probably Columbia. I don't know if anything I'm saying is making sense. It's a really tough one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Based on their ideals. I think they have worse ideals in Columbia. Well, it's built more on hating people. Yeah. Well, so it's not well, like it's like, well, hey, we're elite. Let's make this. It's like we're elite because the others are shit. Yeah, I think now that I think of it, the 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 stigma of the the between the different classes of people in Colombia probably just that alone, and the way the way that you see that that Colombia is running off basically the slums, uh, and all of the lower class keeping it running but getting no recognition is probably a reason for it to be brought down yeah. because there's no fairness. Whereas Rapture. Uh, I don't feel that in Rapture. I think they just got out of control. Um, but only really the elite could go there. Hmm. But, yeah. I get you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I think that's yeah, that's got to be it. I feel bad for Ryan, you know. He's trying to do a good thing. Yeah, 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 of course. Well, anyway, I'm glad that was a hot question. Yeah, it was. That was a good one. It's one of, one of your best. <laughs> one of your best. I, I threw you a softball. And uh, <laughs> you, you friggin' smack me in the face. So <laughs> thank you. But big, big episodes about Bioshock Infinite. I'm not shocked we could talk that long for no. about a game that we we enjoy so much. But it's been good to chat about it. And we'll be back next time with another another game of I don't know what, what we're gonna do. We'll figure it out. Well, no, the next episode is something I'm going to be keeping you in the dark on. So you just have to rock up with your suit and tie on. Pants oh, on, yeah, of course. Know, sorry, with your pants on, preferably. But you know, I wear the pants. So that's okay. Not, not this again. Thicker socks with a beanie. I am wearing little sports socks. Yeah, right now. You are. I don't want thicker socks. It'd be too warm. Oh. But I can wear a beanie. Just be there or be square. I'll be there. I'll be there. And I'm everybody sorry. else, be there to hear an interview with. Nobody knows. Wait and see. All right. Very good. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode, Luke's secret episode. Goodbye.